Hello everyone, this is an audio resource for the third chapter of History Class 10, that is Nationalism in India. As you have seen and you have understood, the Europe was not what we see it today as Germany, Italy, Hungary, etc. Rather, they were scattered into various dynastic provinces. Modern nationalism in Europe came to be associated with the formation of those modern nation states and which had a change in people's understanding on various perspectives like who they were and what defined their identity and sense of belongingness etc. So new symbols and icons, new songs and ideas were forged, new links and, it, and they redefined the boundaries of communities. And you know what? that in most countries, the making of this new national identity was a long process, which had to witness revolution, mass protest, mass participation, formation of various organizations, etc. So the questions arise, how did this consciousness emerge in India too? Who led the people for mass protest? Or before that, who made them understand the need for an identity in the first place? So let's understand it with the help of various incidents and events which happened throughout the 19th and 20th centuries in India. You know, in India and many other colonies, the growth of modern nationalism is straightway connected to the anti-colonial movement. As a result, the people in India began discovering their unity in the process of their struggle against and with colonialism. The sense of being oppressed under colonialism provided a shared bond that tied many different groups together. But each class and group felt the effects of colonialism differently. Their experiences were varied and their notions of freedom were not always the same. For example, a businessman had a different notion of freedom than a labor or a landless farmer. So, the Congress under Mahatma Gandhi tried to forge these groups together within one movement. But, the unity did not emerge without conflict and hardships. Hence, we will explore how the Congress sought to develop the national movement, how different social groups participated in the movement, and how nationalism captured the imagination of people. So let's understand the topic one, the First World War, Khilafat and the non-cooperation. In the years after 1919, we see the national movement spreading to new areas, incorporating new social groups and developing new modes of struggle. How do we understand these developments? What implications did they have? So first of all, the World War I created an economic and political situation which was completely new. Since Britain was involved in the World War I, it had directly impacted on its colonies and India was one among them. The war led to a huge crisis, a huge increase in defense expenditure, which was financed by war loans and increasing taxes. Custom duties were raised and income tax introduced, which had directly hit the common Indians. And these were enough to be agitated, enough to stand against the British in India. Throughout the war years, prices increased, doubling between 1913 and 1918, leading to extreme hardship for the common people. Villages were forcefully recruited in the army to supply soldiers for the war and that increased widespread anger. 
On the other hand, in 1918-19 and 1920-21, crops had failed in many parts of India and resulted in acute shortages of food. This was accompanied by an influenza epidemic. And according to the census of 1921, 12 to 13 million people perished as a result of famine and epidemic. Still, people hoped that their hardships would end after the year of war and it will bring a new change in their lives. But unfortunately, that did not happen. At this stage, a new leader appeared and suggested a new mode of struggle and that was the idea of Satyagraha. So what was the idea of Satyagraha? Let's understand that also. Mahatma Gandhi returned to India in January 1915 from South Africa, where he had successfully fought the racist regime with a noble method of mass agitation, which he called Satyagraha, and which emphasized the power of truth and the need to search for truth. It was believed that for a true cause, a struggle against an injustice was enough and physical force was not necessary to fight the oppressor. Without seeking vengeance or being aggressive, a satyagrahi could win the battle through non-violence. This could be done by appealing to the conscience of the oppressor. By this struggle, truth was bound to ultimately win. Mahatma Gandhi believed that this dharma of non-violence could unite all the Indians. So after arriving in India, Mahatma Gandhi successfully organized Satyagraha movements in various places. In 1916, he traveled to Champaran in Bihar to inspire the peasants to struggle against the oppressive plantation system. Then, the next year, 1917, he organized a Satyagraha to support the peasants of the Kheda district of Gujarat, where the crop failure and a plague epidemic had made the peasants demand for a relaxation on revenue fees they were not able to pay. In 1918, Mahatma Gandhi went to Ahmedabad to organize a Satyagraha movement amongst cotton mill workers. And this is how Gandhiji mobilized people through Satyagraha and helped people to fight for their rights without restoring any violence. And therefore, Gandhian philosophy got worldwide acceptance. Martin Luther King Jr., who was the forefront warrior in civil movement in America, was also very much inspired and was following Satyagraha. Now let's understand what was the Rollet Act. As the support started escalating for Gandhiji, he became more optimistic and active to carry forward his new ideas and steps to mobilize more people from every walk of life and religion. And emboldened with all these success, Gandhiji, in 1919, decided to launch a nationwide satyagraha against the proposed Rollette Act of 1919. Now, let's go into a little bit deeper to understand what was Rollette Act. This act had been hurriedly passed through the Imperial Legislative Council, despite the united opposition of the Indian members. This act gave the Imperial government enormous power to repress political activities, and allowed detention of political prisoners without trial for two years, which was actually to suppress the political movement and mobilization of the people against the British. So Mahatma Gandhi wanted non-violent civil disobedience against such unjust laws, which would start with the Hartal on 6th April. 
As a result, rallies were organized in various cities, workers went on strike in railway workshops, and shops were closed. And this alarmed and scared that lines of communication such as the railways and the telegraph would be disrupted. So the British administration decided to clamp down on nationalists. Local leaders were picked up from Amritsar and Mahatma Gandhi was barred from entering Delhi. On 10th April, the police in Amritsar fired upon a peaceful procession, provoking widespread attacks on banks, post offices and railway stations. And this gave British government a chance to impose martial law under the commander General Dyer. On 13th April, the infamous Jallianwala Bagh incident took place. On that day, a crowd of villagers who had come to Amritsar to attend a fair gathered in the enclosed ground of Jallianwala Bagh. Being from the villages, they were unaware of the martial law that had been imposed. General Dyer entered the area, blocked the exit points, and opened fire on the crowd, killing hundreds. Later, Dad declared that his motive behind open firing was to produce a moral effect, to create in the minds of Satyagrahis a feeling of terror and awe. But did it really happen or escalated the movement? So as the news of Jallianwala Bagh spread, crowds took to the streets and many North Indian towns. There were strikes, clashes with the police and attacks on government buildings. The government responded with brutal repression seeking to humiliate and terrorize people. Satyagrahis were forced to rub their noses on the ground, crawl on the streets, and do salam, salute to all sahibs. People were flogged and villages around Gurjanwala in Punjab, which is now in Pakistan, were bombed. Seeing the increased violence from both the end, Mahatma Gandhi had to call off the movement. While the rollet Satyagraha had been a widespread movement. It was still limited mostly to cities and towns. Mahatma Gandhi now felt that there is a need to launch a more broader and more impactful movement in India. But he was very certain that such movement would not be possible without bringing the Hindus and Muslims together. So he took up the Khilafat issue. The First World War had ended with the defeat of Ottoman Turkey. And as you know, the Greece had got independence from Turkey along with the other nation states. So there were rumors that a Haas peace treaty was going to be imposed on the Ottoman emperor, who was the Khalifa, the spiritual head of the Islamic world. So to defend the Khalifa's temporal powers, a Khilafat committee was formed in Bombay in 1919. A young generation of Muslim leaders like the brothers Muhammad Ali and Sokat Ali began discussing with Mahatma Gandhi about the possibility of a united mass action on the issue. Gandhiji saw this as an opportunity to bring Muslims under the umbrella of a unified national movement. At the Calcutta session of the Congress in September 1920, he convinced other leaders to start a non-cooperation movement in support of Khilafat as well as for Swaraj. Now let's understand why non-cooperation. In his famous book Hind Swaraj in 1909, Mahatma Gandhi declared that British rule was established in India with the cooperation of Indians and had survived only because of this cooperation. So he wanted Indians to know if Indians refused to cooperate, British rule in India 
would collapse within a year and Swaraj would come. So how could non-cooperation become a movement? Was it so handy to start? So first Gandhiji proposed that the movement should unfold in stages. It should begin with the surrender of titles that the government awarded and a boycott of civil services, army, police, courts and legislative councils, schools and foreign goods. Then in case the government used repression, a full civil disobedience campaign would be launched. Through the summer of 1920, Mahatma Gandhi and Sokat Ali toured extensively, mobilizing popular support for the movement. Many within the Congress were, however, concerned about the proposals. They were reluctant to boycott the council elections, which were scheduled for November 1920, and they feared that the movement might lead to popular violence. In the months between September and December, there was an intense tussle within the Congress. For a while, there seemed no meeting point between the supporters and the opponents of the movement. Finally, at the Congress session at Nagpur in December 1920, a compromise was worked out and the non-cooperation program was adopted. How did this movement unfold? Who participated in it? How did different social groups conceive the idea of non-cooperation? Now assess yourself by answering these questions which I have attached in the worksheet in HLP. Thank you very much.